the Sport Industry Access Podcast, episode 160. What core skills do you need to be a creative soccer coach? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who is a sports expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in coaching. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is James Galanis. James has over 20 years of experience coaching in soccer and he's the director of soccer operations at Universal Soccer Academy where he specialises in personalised soccer development training for his students from the grassroots level all the way up to elite soccer players. For that reason I'm really fascinated about James's philosophy with regards to his coaching methods and it's great to have him as a special guest on the show. That's when today's episode James will share his coaching career journey and explain to you the core skills you need to be a creative coach. James, it's such a pleasure to have you on this podcast show. Please can you share to the listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? You mean as a coach? Life in general, like go back to how you got involved in football and then how it transcended into coaching. Yeah, so so I'm actually the, the son of, uh, of migrants. Uh, my parents migrated from Greece to, to Australia. Um, and really, uh, there wasn't a, a moment that I got involved in the game. I think um, the game was, was around me at all times. Um, just my parents being from a European background, uh, you know, all my uncles and, and cousins and um, even everybody in our neighbourhood, uh, who a lot of them were also ethnic, uh, were, were involved in the game and loved the game. So I think uh, as soon as I was born, I was kind of thrown into it. And um, when we played, a, went out and played on the street or, or wherever it is, um, we, um, we played soccer. That was the game that we played. So... Um, started back then. With regards to that transition, I'm from the UK and brought up there. Were there any challenges you faced with that transition of, you know, from a cultural standpoint? Because as you know, we're at the Athens Women's Football Summit. You know, football is a cultural game. Like, was there a difference of styles of, like, from your upbringing and then when you went to the States, you applied that sort of style of football? Yeah, I think one of the... Um, the, the the benefits that I had was that when, when we used to play in Australia, um, our teams were actually ethnic. So you had like Greek-based teams, Italian teams. Uh, back then it was Yugoslav teams and uh, English teams and German teams and Polish teams. And, and they actually played, everyone played their own sort of style. And you, you, you had to adapt on, on the day. For example, you know, when you played 
um, against English teams, you know that you knew that it was going to be a lot more direct football, uh, hard tackling going in, uh, a lot of running going on around you, um, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of long ball at the time. Um, you know, we played against Italian teams. They they kind of sat back and and were patient, and and there was one always next to you, uh, ready to shut you down. Um, so. So yeah, so I think uh, that was a, a big part of, of learning. I think that that was a unique thing um, that I experienced just in, in being involved with all the, the ethnic teams. Um, yeah, and then moving to the States, um, you know, it's a, it, was, it became a, a whole different style altogether. Could you just explain to listeners how you got involved in coaching? Yeah, so um, I... I met a girl who was living in the States um, and I had a long distance relationship and I, I basically was, um, was going back and forward uh, for about five years and, and, and the one day I was in, in America, I was in the front yard and I was having a kick with uh, my nephew um, and some guy drove by and, and saw me having a kick and he, he did a U-turn and came back and just said to me, hey, um, uh, we're, looking, we're looking for some people to help us out at a camp that we're doing tomorrow. Um, you know, we've got over 200 kids and, and we need some coaches. I saw you knocking the ball around. Uh, you think you can come over and, and help? And, and I said, yeah, sure, I'd, uh, I'd love to. So I just went and checked it out and, and uh, discovered that, that there's a need for coaching um, in the States, I, I got involved and I liked what I was doing and um, I just basically kick-started my coaching career from there. There's one story I'd love to share with you with regards to you getting involved in coaching and I'm going to relate it to today's podcast topic. How important is it for you to be a creative coach? Yeah, so, so when, I was, when I was driving to, um, to this session that I'm telling you about, um, the, the guy that was driving me there, he just said to me, look, you know, you're probably nervous, but if you get stuck, just look over to the, what the person next to you is doing and just copy them. Um, so that was kind of the plan. But, but once I got there, um, I actually um, copied the first thing and, and then I just started thinking in my head of, of things that, that I could do and started visualizing on, on activities that I had done as a kid. Um, and I started making up my own stuff. Um, and through the course of, of the week, um, that's the bit that I, that I ended up falling in love with, that I was creating um, my own activities and, and it was kind of stimulating for me. Um, so from that point on, uh, I, just, I just made it a point that, you know, I'm going to be one of these coaches that creates his own activities and actually create, I've created my own methodology um, and I think that's been a, a big part of the reason behind my success uh, because um, you know, as my kids improve I've been able to continuously create a new environment for them that, that stimulates them. If I was a coach that, um, that gets drills from different areas and just memorises them, now you know, you're just a, a stale coach that um, that has you know their core drills, and you use them, and and the kids end up getting bored of bored of them, and 
and there's no more stimulation. So I think uh, the whole creating part, I think that's the biggest part. And, and now I've come to, to understand that um, the best coaches in the world, it's exactly what they're doing. They're, they're creators. They create their own material. They're, you know, they're not taking it from anywhere. So just with an example, I've had the privilege of having a great meal with James in Greece. And how important is it for coaches to learn from other sports for example, that martial arts story about visualization. Could you just share that story to the uh, listeners about getting that philosophy and creating your own philosophy in coaching? Yeah, so I had the opportunity to, to actually do martial arts as a kid. And uh, one of the things that, that we were doing in class was uh, meditating. And when I first started out as a, as, as a young kid, I, you know, I was just looking around and thinking to myself, what are these guys doing? But... Um, as I, I grew and, and became more mature, I actually started to, um, to meditate with them. And I remember the one time um, our, our sensei there, the karate instructor, was uh, taking us through the meditation. And he's telling us, you know, uh, I want you to visualize somebody kicking you in, in, on your left-hand side. And now I want you to visualize ducking out of the way, getting down low and... and and countering with a, a punch to the stomach. I want you to visualize um, your opponent coming in low, trying to punch you in the stomach and you blocking it and coming over to the top and and hitting him with your right hand to the bridge of the nose. And, you know, I was visualizing these things. Um, and then when it came time to spar, and some of the scenarios that he had, he had put us through uh, surfaced, I, I did them and I did them with lightning speed and without even thinking and that was like a light bulb moment where I was like wow what I just visualized actually happened and it happened in, in with speed and with perfect technique so I kind of took what I learned through the visualization from karate and then I applied it to my soccer game so after that when I was playing I would spend all week actually visualizing uh, the weekend, whether it was you know, winning tackles, whether it was serving some through balls, whether it's winning headers, whether it's working hard for the entire game and not giving up and, and so on. Uh, so it became a part of who I was mentally as, a, as an athlete. And then when I turned to coaching um, I, and I was developing my philosophy, uh, the thing that uh, I wanted to, to, to do to, to separate myself was was really focus on the mental part of the game. Um, so the karate sort of alerted me that how important the, the mental side is. And then from there, I carried on and, and now I've been coaching and really um, my students excel because of the psychological part. So what inspired you to start your own academy? Just the love of, the love of coaching and... Um, just, just impacting, uh, impacting kids that reminded me of, of me as a kid. Um, you know, I, I, I love the game. I, um, I, I, I went as far as I could, but looking back, I, you know, I never really had a mentor and somebody that can kind of guide me and, and, and help me um, through, the, through the challenges and somebody that I can kind of lean on. So... I feel like I was a little bit robbed because I didn't have a mentor. So uh, when I took on the coaching, you know, I really um, wanted to help 
kids that were what I what I call soccer junkies or football junkies, um, and help them uh, navigate through the obstacles of of soccer uh, through my mistakes. Just with regards to the coaching philosophy now, I find this really interesting. Would you mind sharing to the listeners? And I'm going to challenge you because I know your five pillars relate to footballers, but could you word it in a way how these five pillars can relate to any individual in any walks of life? Yes, yeah, so the, the, so when a student walks through the door, um, I evaluate them on, on the five pillars. And the five pillars are that your technical skills, everything you do with, when the ball is in your possession. Tactical awareness, which is what you do without the ball. Physical power, which means having a body that can outwork the opponent. Mental toughness, which is your game day mentality and having an ability to thrive under pressure. And character, which is doing the right things when no one is watching and being coachable. So they're the, they're the five pillars that, that I use on, on my students. So every kid that comes in gets evaluated in those pillars and then I design a program specific for the kid in that will counter the, their weaknesses um, and the whole idea is to give material to the to to the player that they do they improve some of the stuff on their own some stuff they improve with me and ideally we like to turn their weak their weakest pillars actually into their strengths not just improve them but make them the highlight of their game so so that in general is 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 the pillars um, so so how does it rely on on normal life so um, I'll give you an example so I'm looking around here and and we, we, we've got these buildings here and let, let's just imagine there's a there's a bricklayer here right so so an average bricklayer would would come and they'd order their material and they'd drop the the, the bricks in the front of the, the the property and and would work their way around and, and build the the building. Somebody that is working through through the pillars, uh, a great bricklayer would be somebody that is amazing with their hands and, and can quickly get the, the cement onto the bricks and 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 build the bricks build the, the building really quick. Somebody that strategically, tactically would wouldn't leave the bricks in a pile in the front of the building. Would actually grab the bricks and spread them out around the perimeter so they're right there. Um, would have the cement strategically ready to go. Um, a bricklayer would would be uh, would look after their body so they're physically strong and able to to pump out a lot of work during the day. A, a bricklayer will, will 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 power through the difficult days. Um, whether it's hot or whether they're, they're to meet deadlines and so on. And, and probably a, a, a successful bricklayer uh, would be honest in their job and, and doesn't cut any corners and, and pays attention to detail. So that would be the five pillars um, in that department, uh, in your department, right, as, a, as, as somebody that interviews people. So um, the way that you hook up all your equipment and the equipment you use, that could be your technical part, right? Your tactical part could be the, the questions and, and, and the strategic questions that you're going to ask me. Uh, the physical part is making sure you haven't gone out the night before and... and Look your fresh. Mind, yeah, you're fresh <laughs> and your mind's sharp, right? Um, 
you know, the, the mental part, which would would probably be, you know, finding details that to push the your, whoever you're interviewing um, the, the 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 right questions, and probably the the, the the character piece would be doing research and and really finding out about the person that you're interviewing, um, so that way. Um, you know, you're able to get a, a, a true story. So, so it can relate to, to, to normal life, but I use it in soccer. Well, there's my work in a nutshell, everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> James, just going back to your career now, and uh, we had a great discussion in the, uh, in the restaurant about self-development. As a coach, and actually people in general, I, I'm a big believer you've got to keep educating yourself in different areas, but how important for you as a coach to keep learning different aspects of who you are as a person in general? Yeah, so for me, the, the, the biggest question for me that I keep asking myself is, how do I want to be remembered as a coach? And that just always pushes me to, to keep learning and, and, and keep improving. You know, I, I know that there's probably enough material in my mind that, that I could get away with working uh, for the next 20, 30 years, and people would be willing to buy that material. Um, but it's not about that. For me, um, you know, just as, a, as you are a football player, you're, you're out there trying to improve every day and sharpen up your, your skills and, and your tools. Uh, it's the same as a coach. Um, You've got you to stay on top of it. You've got um, you to keep updating your, your, your drills and activities. You've got to keep, um, keep learning the game and watching games and see what's going on um, with the modern game itself. Uh, physically, you've got to stay, over, stay on top of um, all the latest uh, methods that are out there for, for, for physical fitness, um, mentally uh, improving at all times and finding ways to, to continue to inspire your athletes to, so they can peak um, in games and, of course, continuously find ways to, to transform your, your athletes into fantastic human beings, and that's the that's the biggest part of of, of being a coach. I think you know, for me, um, just just creating human beings that that if they don't make it in, in in football, they can carry on and 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 be successful in life. Because uh, I believe there's 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 so many things that you can extract out of the game that you can't get at school and you can't get at home. Um, and you learn that on the field and um, as a coach I think that's the most important thing that you're able to build the character in athletes that helps them forever. Just with regards to the character there's a story I'd just love you to share with regards to your son because he's in that transition now of could be a footballer if that's where he wants to go Um, but you you said a great story about being the car could you just explain that to listeners? Yeah so so from a young kid, my, my son's had aspirations to, um, to end up being a professional soccer player. Um, and, you know, I think when he was young, because he, he sees me working with, with certain kids, um, he, he was expecting me to, uh, to be there for him and to train him and to, to kind of give him personal lessons uh, and help him get to the top. Um, however, I... Uh, I spent a lot of time, and it took it took a few years to make him understand that um, 
you know, the, the best players don't rely on anyone. They simply rely on themselves. They become um, who they are because of the hours that they clock playing when no one is watching. There's no coach and no drill and no team that can replace you playing on your own, whether it's banging the ball up against the wall and working your techniques, where you're able to make mistakes and try things and do things that you can't do at training, or even playing with your friends on the street. Like I know myself playing on the street, I would say to myself, um, you know, today I'm going to sit in the back and I'm going to dribble everyone. And I'd get the ball and I'd go through everyone. And the first time I'd fail, the second time I'd fail, the third time I'd get through a couple of them, fourth time I'd fail, fifth time I'd get through three of them, tenth time I'd get through all of them, fifteenth time through all of them, sixteenth time through all of them, and now all of a sudden I was good at the dribbling, right? The next day I'd go back to the playing on my own with no coach watching and I'd go and sit up top. And every time I'd get it, I'd flick the ball up and work a volley. First time, I hit it up in the trees. Second time, it hit the trees. Third time, a bit lower. Tenth time, on target. Fifteenth on target. Sixteenth on target. Now, all of a sudden, I got good at flicking the ball up and hitting a volley. Now, you can't do that at training. Your coach is going to be like, hey, what are you doing? Your teammates are going to be yelling at you if you're holding on to the ball, right? Because it's a whole different, whole different scenario there. So, so I've, with my son, I've, I've explained that to him, that that's the benefits of playing on your own. And all these top kids that, are, that, are, that, that play at the highest level, they've all got stories of where they played, whether it's on the street, on a tennis court, uh, kicking the ball up against the curb going down to the local park but it all came down to playing with no coach watching and that's the foundation that was built so so going back to my son I've explained that to him and and made him understand that you know he's he's a car that's what I tell him you've got your car and your car is going to take you to wherever you want to take it it's your hands that are on the steering wheel not mine you're in charge of it I'll come along and I'll make sure every now and again that there's, a, there's, there's air in the tyres. I might even polish it up a little bit by giving you a little bit, of, little bit of advice. But at the end of the day, wherever you decide to take your car is completely up to you. Don't look to me and don't look to a team to take you to your dreams. Everything you need is inside of you. So get your hands on the steering wheel. Drive. And drive, buddy, and, and create your own path. And that's the other thing I tell you. When you're driving your car, if you're going down a track, I said, where somebody else has been, you're doing the wrong thing. Your path has got to be different. When you're driving, you've got to be knocking over things. There is no path. You make your own. James, that is absolutely spot on. This is actually inspiring me a lot. Just going back to your career now, what have you enjoyed the most from your coaching career journey looking back right now? Yeah, just 
just helping so many kids um, become outstanding human beings. Um, you know, just getting letters and being invited to to weddings, for example, and um, to to birthdays or to events. You know, years later, and and you know, students coming up and saying, "Hey, you know, um, I'm doing great at work, and and I've been there for four years, and and I've worked my way all the way up the ladder, and 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 I swear it's because of the things that that you taught me on the field that you know, n- not to give up and and to give a hundred percent every single day to to play my part in a team environment." I respected you as a coach and now I respect my boss and, and my boss feels that and, and just the values that you instilled in me have helped me um, become a successful human being. So for me, that's the, that's the, the, the thing that makes me feel uh, the best. Um, but obviously, there's the, the biggest accomplishment that I've had is, is working with Carly. Um, you know, I, I was able to um, started working with Carly at 21. She was a, um, a player that actually quit the sport and um, I started working with her and transformed the way she thinks and she ended up coming, becoming the uh, World Player of the Year twice. So in terms of football, that's it. In terms of how I feel internally, I think it's just helping um, people become successful human beings. James, you've provided so much career guidance from a coaching perspective, but I always like to finish with an inspirational question. What three core tips would you give to somebody just starting their coaching career journey? Don't think about the money. That's the, that's the main thing. Um, if you're getting into it for money, you're getting into it for the wrong reason because uh, there's probably going to be uh, a long period where you're not going to make a lot of money. Um, be a designer of your own activities Um, don't be a copycat coach don't look for coaching courses or or YouTube videos or 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 even books um, to to grab your drills like evaluate your kids and design things specific um, for your players um and the last thing it would be just be, be ethical. Um, do it for the right reasons. Um, do it to, to, to change people's lives. Don't, um, don't do it because of what you want to accomplish. Um, I feel that the kids and, the, and your players, they need to feel that you're working for them, that they're not working for you. And I think that is a... A, a big part when you, when your kids feel or your students feel that that you're out there and everything that you're doing is for them you're going to get so much more out of them rather than when you've got students that feel like they're only working because you're making them work so I would say they're the three things James, absolutely spot on. Out of interest, how can people interact with you on social media? Yeah, I'm at at Coach Galanis on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, Yeah, so they're they're my two uh, main things. That is great to all the listeners listening in. All those two links will be on my website relating to this blog post. James, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much.
Thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me. What a really fascinating podcast chat with James. I cannot express how much I've learned from this podcast experience speaking to James and also editing this podcast with regards to what we spoke about being a creative coach. And I can really understand now why players enjoy working with James because he simplifies that process. He simplifies that coaching philosophy, which, again, I mentioned on purpose as a question about how his five pillars can relate to all walks of life. Like when he starts sharing that example about the bricklayer or me being a podcaster, it just shows that sometimes we overthink with regards to how we can grow and develop as an individual and very much the same as being a soccer player. And I know some of the stories he's achieved behind the scenes in the soccer world, which I have to say don't get recognized enough. But with regards to this podcast chat, from a coaching perspective, I really do hope you have learned so much from James, which you can apply to your coaching philosophy. And especially the ending when he shared with you that bit of sports career guidance, like having the ability to create your own blueprint as a coach, having the ability to really discover yourself and where you're going to grow is so important with regards to understanding why you want to get into coaching. Because I've interviewed many coaches on this podcast show and the one thing I've learned is the best coaches don't think about themselves, they think about the players they're trying to help. And when you get that right, things start to happen. So look, I would love to hear your thoughts about what was the biggest learning lesson you've taken from this podcast chat with regards to James's experience. And I would love to hear your thoughts on Twitter at edbowers101. What was your biggest learning lesson from this podcast chat? And most importantly, I hope you apply what James said with regards to those five pillars relating to your self-development today and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. James said, you're a car. You're going to take it to wherever you want to take it. Your hands are on that steering wheel. At the end of the day, whatever you decide to take your car, it's completely up to you. Don't rely on others to take you to your dreams. And everything you need is inside you. So get your hands on that wheel and drive and create your own path.